The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about a hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you'd want, like to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from, actually, was this Friday? Yeah. I, I forgot to change out for the educational video on Saturday, so I'll do that right after the show, uh, just so that's up there and you can check that out up until uh, 3 o'clock Eastern today, at which time he should be in. I know he's working on his book, so that's probably why he's missing some shows, uh, just to get that out of the way. I think he's finished up one, he's working on that second one, and then I don't know what the third one's going to be too. And in the meantime, I'm working on flooring. <laughs> of course, none of my family was feeling good yesterday. Uh, so we basically were just, for the most part, laying in the bed or on the couch or something yesterday, just not feeling very well. Um, and then I, if I do that too long on a day, I can't sleep in the night. So I had a rough night last night, which means I'm probably going to have to have a nap. Um, and it has nothing to do with EMFs. It just has to do with if I do that, it wipes me out. Anyway, right side of the page <laughs> is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got there, and then look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and join us in the chat on Rumble. we got some friends over there this morning. Good morning to all you guys. Good to see you. Bright and early on Monday morning, a new week. The Lord has made not just the day, but the week ahead, and uh, we give him glory for that. Uh, join us in that. While you're there, subscribe to the channel. It's on Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel. Please subscribe. And then also before it's news.com top of the page over there and we appreciate michael roach and his team giving us um a platform over there on their platform because they have a lot of people who still come over there uh even though a lot of their stuff censored as well they still get a lot of people because one of the great things i think that goes on there is they have a lot of contributors and so when those when those contributors put out their their articles 
they go out to the people and they start putting it out there on social media. So they have a lot of people spreading things, even if they're getting censored a whole bunch. You've got a people, you've got a lot of people who are reaching small amounts of people, but you've got a large number of people doing it. So uh, that's probably how they're able to do that. And we appreciate them giving us a spot on their platform. Now, today, I, you know, I kind of I, I titled this the good, the bad and the ugly. And the reason why there's so many there's so many things that are happening right now in the United States and that some of it I, I got to and around the world, frankly, that when I see it, I'm just going, how is all this stuff going on? Well, again, you know, I hate to be one who reiterates these things, but, you know, as the New Testament tells us over and over, I put you in remembrance. I put you in remembrance. I put, it's not that you don't know, you know, these things. Um, but there's constantly a reminder. If you're like I am, quite often, if you don't have something that you can put on the counter that's going to remind you of something, you tend to forget it. You get focused on one thing and you're doing that or two or three things that you're doing and you're trying to get that done and you need something that reminds you. And I guess we're just creatures created like that. And again, the New Testament is replete with that of reminders it's not that the people haven't been told. It's not that they don't know. So I'm not treating you like children. I'm not doing that at all. Uh, but we we put each other in remembrance of things of what we know to be true. And part of that is, again, going back to passages like Deuteronomy 28, passages like Leviticus 26, even the book of Revelation and seeing God's judgments and knowing that, you know, the scripture says that it's, he's known by his judgments. I believe it's the prophet Isaiah who talks about when God's gracious, people don't learn. They don't learn who he is. They learn by his judgments. And um, that makes them grateful for his graciousness when they learn that. Um, so I just I want to put that out there. I've got just a ton of stories here. And this is uh, this is something I'll do every once in a while. Uh, we'll recount things through the week. But this I got to tell you, I got some stuff even this morning from our friend Suzanne Hamner, and I'm just going to share some of these. Some of these are going to be really ugly. Some of these are going to be bad. And of course, I'm going to go to the scripture for the good because there's, there's no one good, right? Jesus said that when somebody even called him that in his humanity. They, I mean, he was. He was perfect. He was blameless. He was without spot. Nobody could accuse him of sin. He challenged the people who wanted to do that, and he challenged them that they couldn't bring up anything. This first story comes from the Daily uh, Mail, and I'll apologize in advance for the... Sometimes they have some good reports, sometimes they have just junk, but, you know, they're just the stuff they push on the side is, is a, so problematic. This one is titled, Pink-Haired Portland Surgeon who performs sex change, or let's just call it body mutilation, because they're not really changing any sex. Let's be honest about that. And I think that, again, this is an area where we, as those who name the name of Christ, we have to take back, we have to repent of using the worldly terms, the marketing terms that are being used. We don't use the term gay, because there's nothing gay about what those people who engage in that behavior are involved in. We use the term sodomy right? Or sodomite to reflect the person. Same thing with chain, sex change surgery. 
there is no sex change surgery. Nobody's changing anybody's sex. They're mutilating the body to deceive the person they're doing it to and to deceive others. So this pink-haired Portland surgeon who performs sex change surgeries or bodily mutilation surgeries, that's what they are, on children admits they face a lifetime of infertility. Well, of course, if you're going to take away their sex organs, if you're going to mess with them in such a, a way, I mean, a girl can't produce sperm. Boy can't produce eggs. They also face a lifetime of incontinence and sexual dissatisfaction in a now deleted video. Now, I can't play the video because it's like 40 minutes, but I want you to to see this guy, this is this is where the video was. It's like uh, it's thirty. It's a little over thirty-seven minutes. It's an interview that he's engaged in, but he's been dubbed Doctor Frankenstein. I'm going to tell you, any any surgeon involved in this stuff right there, that's exactly what they're doing. They're Frankenstein's. How the state can be behind? Well, I know how the state's behind it because the state won't honor God either. The state is at war with God. And again, this is coming out of Portland, so that's Oregon. They have such a backwards government led by, uh, don't they have a lesbian governor out there and a lesbian AG? And I don't know if they have a lesbian uh, lieutenant governor. I don't, I don't remember uh, their, all the people in their government, but they have a backwards government out there in Oregon. They really do. That doesn't mean that all the people of Oregon are bad. I'm not saying that. I've seen some good good men stand up in Portland against the criminals out there, Antifa and stuff. And some and some people think that that's a bad thing. They think it's a bad thing. Some of those guys have gone to jail for it. Now, does that mean I agree with all of their ideology? Nope. But I'll tell you what: they're standing up against what's clearly criminal out there. You can take whatever position you want on the Pride Boys or the Proud Boys, all you want to, but they are got. But I'll tell you what, they're willing to go out there and deal with the bad guys. They're really, they're really willing to do it about the bad guys. Um, yeah, me too, gracious. I, I'm in the chat. I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about them too. But the fact of the matter is, until we go and deal with them, we're going to hear about them. Why? Because we're going to be put in remembrance that this is going on, and we've got to bring justice to it. That's the one thing missing. So this guy who's been dubbed Dr. Frankenstein has candidly revealed the downsides of performing genital reshaping surgeries. Well, at least they kind of got that right. They didn't call it sex change. It, that is what they're doing. On these children that they call, quote unquote, transgender, they're not, they're not transitioning from gender to gender, and adults in a video which has since been deleted. I wonder why that was. It's because he told, you know, in promoting himself and showing, you know, trying to make him some, some something, he's, I'll take their money, I'll mutilate their bodies, but the reality is they face a lifetime of infertility, incontinence, and sexual dissatisfaction. In the video, Dr. Blair Peters, this is the guy's name, self-described a queer surgeon and he, they pronouns, whatever. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. I think the they thing reminisces the legion, if you ask me. Um, pink hair and a passion for genital surgeries, says patients face fertility, sexual pleasure, and other lifelong post-op complications. This is this guy right here. Um, and then he goes on and he'll show you, 
you know, how he does his thing. And here he is with his arms wrapped around another man. Um, and then, yeah, you don't need to see all that. Anyway, you get the idea. You get the idea of what's going on. Then on top of that, we've got this guy, uh, Jeffrey. Many of you may have seen some of this guy's videos. And I'm just going to play this. And what gets me is when you talk about this particular subject, they'll often point to the New Testament and they'll say, well, Jesus never said anything about that. We're going to see about that, too. We're going to see about that, too. But this is this guy, Jeffrey. Doesn't even attempt to make himself appear as a woman. He just puts some lipstick on, some eyeshadow, and some effeminate clothing. And I want you to see. Now you tell me if you were to if you were to go pick up Jeffrey's phone, and you guys in the radio audience, you'll hear what he says. If you were to pick up Jeffrey's phone, he's telling the the parents to turn the kid the phone over to the kids. He just wanted to give an introduction to parents and say, just turn the phone over to the kids. If you were to go pick up Jeffrey's phone, what do you think you'd find on it? Listen to what old Jeffrey has to say here. I want to talk to the kids. Parents, watch the video and then hand the phone over to the young kids. Hi there. Um, I get asked a lot, are you a boy or a girl? And I love that question. And so I wanted to just tell you, sometimes human beings are more than boy or girl. Sometimes we're something else. Sometimes we're both. Sometimes um, we kind of float in between. And sometimes we're a boy. Sometimes we're a girl. Because um, human beings are creatures. And we're wild and exciting. But I want to ask you um, a favor. If you see a kid like me or an adult like me, would you be extra nice? No! Would you do me a favor and be very, very kind? Um, yeah, like anybody, we can feel lonely. And so if you're kind to us, it would be really, really important. Okay. All right. So again, this is a part of the grooming. Would you be nice to us? Now, again, if you haven't listened to the show before, you know, I've pointed out that nice, go back and look at the tradition of the word. It means ignorant. That's what it means. So now kind is a proper word to use, and I think we should be kind to each other. No question about that. The Bible instructs us to be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as the Lord has forgiven us. Nothing wrong with being kind. But no, we're not going to be nice to you. We're not going to be ignorant about what you're trying to push onto us. This guy doesn't even know if he's a male or female. And again, I have people who, who have comment and say, well, Jesus never spoke about sodomy. Jesus never spoke about blah, 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 blah. And I'll bet they'll, they'll say, Jesus never spoke about whether people are male or female. Let me take you somewhere. Matthew chapter 19, listen to what happens. Came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee, came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Now, these people didn't have a problem understanding what a male or a female was. They got it. They weren't like old Jeffrey over here. They got it. Anybody who would dress and behave this way were in a cave somewhere. They didn't bring it out in the open. Why? Because they would have a rock party with them. They would, in, they would incur a dirt nap, a permanent one. They would be sent to the judge. Judgment day would happen the day they came out, which is what should happen 
in America. You say, well, Tim, you're just mean, bloodthirsty. Nope. I'm telling you what the law demands. And I'm talking about God's law, not men's law. That they should be dealt with. And we're not dealing with them. And let me say this. Part of the issue is the church won't deal with them. The people of God won't deal with them. They don't love them enough to say, hey, guy, what are you doing? You are outside of your mind. God's turned you over to be reprobate. You need to repent. You're in need of a savior from sin. By the way, if you want to call in, you got a comment on this or anything, uh, a question, 803-619-9855, 803-619-9855. Back to the passage here. The Pharisees also came to him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? See, they just wanted to run, they wanted to, to tr somehow legalize their sexual relations with a woman. And then when they got tired of her, they wanted to get rid of her and get a new woman. So that they could find anything wrong so they could, you know, get rid of the wife and get a new one. And here's how Jesus answered. He answered and said unto them, have you not read? Now that's insulting to a guys, to guys who are supposed to be those who are educated in the law and in the scriptures. That he, he which made them at the beginning made them what? What did he make them? Did he make them unicorns and and horses and cats and uh, you know fluid genders and floating, as this Jeffrey guy says? No, he made them male and female. That's the only two genders there are, guys. And all of you listening, if you listen on a regular basis, you already agree with this, so I don't have to convince you, but he made them male and female. Even natural law, even if you're not a Christian, you can figure this out. This is natural law. He made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. Hmm, what's father and mother? That's male and female, isn't it? Yep. And shall cleave to his wife and shall twain the twain be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And by the way, for those who agree that there's only male and female and you're against the transgender stuff and all this other, that's great. But it also talks about don't let man put asunder. And yet people are just fine with divorcing all over the place for whatever kinds of reasons. In fact, he goes on to talk about that and he speaks about that too. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorce and to put her away? And Jesus corrected them. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you. He didn't command you. He suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So he's, put, he's putting it back on them. You're trying to say, oh, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to follow the letter of the law, and this is the command, this, that, and the other. But he says there's only one reason uh, for divorce, and that is for this fornication, or the word that we get pornography from is porneo in the Greek. It, that's the only reason for that. And that's any kind of, that encompasses any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage with your spouse. Now, Paul goes on and he reiterates uh, abandonment, which I think could be tied in again with those who are facing domestic abuse. I'm not going to get into all that, but those things are found within the scriptures as well. But Jesus is very clear that it's any kind of sexual misconduct outside of that that allows for divorce. It's not 
you woke up one day and she had a pimple on her face or, you know, she burned the bagels or whatever the case may be. That's not what the case is. So those things are there. So we, we've seen these guys and we've been hearing these stories, but there's more. You know, sin takes on a lot of different forms. This one happened last week down in Zabata County, Texas. And we've heard about the thin blue line. What about the thin brown line? These are sheriff's deputies. And um, they came across this guy, Rigoberto Berentos, and I, I'm pretty sure he's not a legal alien. He's just of Spanish descent. And there's a lot of people who are Spanish descent who are Americans down in Texas. So don't get those things mixed up. Anyway, this guy, there he had a, um, a press conference with his... Uh, his lawyer, and I, I, I can't even play it because it's so long. But let me let me just give you this is on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Zapata County deputies snap. Listen to this: snap off man's leg during an unlawful arrest. See, this to me is the more serious issue. This is why I'll carry these stories about these dirty cops virtually every day of the week. Because Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, any of your rhinos, any of those guys up in D.C. aren't coming to your door and breaking in your door and enforcing policy or violating the law in the process. It's usually the guys in blue, the guys in brown. And again, I'm not trying to paint every person who wears the, wears the uniform that way. But they came into this guy's house and they tackled him. And you'll see in the video, he's already missing his leg. I think it's his left leg the knee, below the knee. And what happened? What happened? They bit his leg in the opposite direction that his knee is supposed to bend. And the lawyer is explaining that he had just a small piece of tissue that was even holding his from the knee down on. I can't even imagine how painful that was. And these cops act like they've done nothing wrong. Guy hadn't committed a crime or anything. They act like they had not done a thing wrong. And I'm going to tell you, even if they ha even if he had done something wrong, let's say even if he was in the country illegally, do you think it warrants breaking the guy's leg off like that? Do you think that's justice? And if so, where do you see such a thing in the law of God portrayed like that. You don't. You don't. Yeah, that's a bad one right there. That's a really bad one. How many of you guys heard the little speech promoting the climate change hoax by uh, the political whore, who is also a real whore, uh, Kamala Harris? How, how many of you guys heard that? I want you to listen to what uh, what Kamala has to say here. Let me bring this up just a second to get it ready. Because I can just see the fact checkers coming behind, just like they did with Bill Gates. Uh, remember when Bill Gates talked about depopulation with reproductive health, which is abortifacients and abortion and also vaccines, and they can knock out 10 to 15% or 12 to 15%, whatever the number was he gave 
And the fact checker said, no, 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 he didn't really say that. And you can hear what he says. You know exactly what he says. Here's Kamala Harris on this. I want you to listen to this. Check this out. Think about the impact on something like public health. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population. Reduce population. Hold on, hold on. Let's just back that up a second. More of our tools and reduce population. And reduce population. More of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. When we reduce population and nobody said anything derogatory against her for what she just said. Now, this is a woman that talks about artificial intelligence and calls it AI and then says, well, it's two letters and, you know, the two letters are in the alphabet and it's A and I. And, and then she gets up and says stuff like this. And they get thunderous applause for talking about reducing the population. And as far as the electric cars and stuff goes, look, if you bought one of those, I... I guess different people have different reasons for buying those things, um, but I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. If you bought it for any kind of environmental impact that things are having, I you just, you didn't do your research. You really didn't do your research. This is another one. This came out of North Dakota over the weekend. Muslim opens fire on police working a traffic crash. He murders one of them, wounds two others. These, uh, I think I, well, I have the picture on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And uh, the officers are there. The, the first one that you'll see on the left side is the one who died. Then the other two were uh, injured. And then the last one was also there. I think he's the guy who actually took this guy out. Uh, this is from KFYR. Says the Fargo Police Department provided an update Saturday on the incident that left one officer dead on Friday. Fargo Police Chief David Zabolski said officers and the Fargo Fire Department responded to what was supposed to be a routine car crash on 25th Street South and 9th Avenue South in Fargo. That's when the suspect, 37 year old Mohammed Barakat, opened fire on them. Three officers were struck by gunfire. The names are Jake Wallen or Waylon, I'm not sure exactly how you say that, Andrew Dodas and Tyler Hawes. All those are unusual names to me. Officer Zach Robinson, who was not injured, was also on scene and shot and killed the suspect. One civilian was also hurt. Officers Dodas and Hawes are in critical but stable condition at Sanford Hospital in Fargo, and Officer Wallen died from his injuries at the scene. It's an inconceivable act. It's hard to fathom. It's unbelievable that something like this would happen in our community. That's because you're living in a bubble. You're not paying attention to what's going on in your community. Many of us think this stuff can't happen. It just happened, said Zabolski. Wallen was just 23 years old. Lost his life to this. Was sworn in as a Fargo officer just three months ago. Chief Zabolski was unable to provide more details as the investigation had turned over to the North Dakota Bureau of Criminal Investigation and the FBI. The AP, uh, I used uh, the AP for another part of the story, but this was what got me. Um, author Robert Spencer, who writes quite a bit on Islam, 
commented, the police are baffled, have no idea why Muhammad would do such a thing. There's no hint in either article below or in the articles. Well, this he, this is how he started his article out. In any of the articles that anyone is considering the possibility that Barakat may have been acting in accord with his exhortation that the Islamic State issued in September 2014. Hmm. Strike the police. If you can kill a disbelieving American or European, especially despiteful and filthy French or an Australian or a Canadian or any other disbeliever from the disbelievers waging war, including the citizens of the countries that entered into a coalition against the Islamic State, then rely upon Allah and kill him in any manner or way, however it may be. See, these are people who actually believe what they're reading and believe what they're told. These guys are. If you're not able to find an IED or a bullet, then single out the disbelieving American, Frenchman, or any of their allies. Smash his head with a rock or slaughter him with a knife or run him over with your car or throw him down from a high place or choke him or poison him. Spencer ends his comments by saying, there may be some other reason why he did this, but the possibility that this was a jihad attack should be pursued in today's climate, when the FBI is busy persecuting Trump, uh, they're not really doing that, Robert. Come on, man. Trump's just playing his part here. And others who dissent from the left's agenda and the lawless agenda, it's not the left, and denies the reality of jihad activity altogether, will it be? Probably not. And you know what? I'm going I'm to say this. And some people may have a problem with me saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. If we had Muslim countries with armies like we have, and they invaded the United States. Oh, we would fight them. We would fight. Yeah, we would. Why? Because they're on our turf. Let me ask you something. Were you lied about Afghanistan? Were you lied to about Afghanistan after 9-11? Yeah, you were. Were you lied to about Iraq after 9-11? Yes, you were. Have you been lied to about Libya and Syria and all those other countries that we've been going into? Yes, you have. Have we followed the Constitution in sending our boys to, uh, to wage war? No, we haven't. If you were a person who lived in that country, I got a question for you. Would you be mad that another country just came in and started invading your country? Yeah, you would. Oh, Tim, you're sympathetic. I'm only sympathetic to them in the sense that if we're lied to to get our boys to go in there and kill people in those countries, I have to ask the question, would we not respond in a similar manner if they did the same thing to us? Yeah. But we aren't thinking that far down the line. We get caught up in the emotion. We get caught up in the talking heads that lie to us continually in the, in the mockingbird media and the corrupt politicians who always have something to gain out of any of these wars. And none of them are in accordance with what the Constitution says that Congress be the one to declare war. Would you go and fight them? Yeah, I would. And some of these guys are pretty serious about it. Now, some of these guys are just looking to to murder. That's what they're in. That's what they're looking to do. And I'm not trying to justify the guy up in North Dakota. I'm just simply saying, I can see the mindset of people getting involved in those things. Nevertheless, this guy just committed open murder. These police had not been in his in in any other country that I know of. They were out there trying to help people, and yet this Muslim gets in his head because he's been indoctrinated by other Muslims to go and to do this stuff. And he goes out there and, I mean, there's no explanation for him just killing four cops or shooting at, at cops here. 
or anybody else. There's no explanation for it unless you go back to some of these things. Here's another one. For those of you who think Israel's your friend, you think they're biblically prophetic and all this other kind of nonsense. Let me tell you something. The modern state of Israel is an antichrist state. It is not biblical. They are not Jews, as the Bible lays out who Hebrews are. I'm gonna, I, I like to refer to them as Hebrews. They're not referred to Jews until after, I believe, the Babylonian captivity. Somebody asked in chat the other week, I don't know who it was, they said, well, you know, there's a distinction. There's Jews going back all the way to the beginning of time. No, there aren't. No, there aren't. You'll never find that in Scripture. In fact, the first person that you could even theoretically call that is Abraham, and he was made one. Through circumcision and through the covenant that God had given him. But here's Antichrist. Now, you know, what do we have back in March, I think, of this year? We had the story where they were going to put forth pretended legislation. And it's pretended legislation in Israel just as much as it would be here. It would punish Christians with jail time who sought to proselyte other people or give them the gospel of Jesus Christ in hopes that God would convert them. Now, now, Israeli government boycotts a conference on attacks against Christians. In other words, Christians were having a conference to point out how the Israelis are persecuting them because they become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep, you can find this, sonsoflibertymedia.com too. This will put out first thing yesterday. Jerusalem Mayor Moshe Leon denounced a conference organized by the Israeli Open University to discuss the increasing violence on Christians and Christian sites in Palestine. By the way, there's a lot of Christians in, Pal uh, in that are under the umbrella of quote-unquote Palestine or Palestinian. There are a lot of Christians over there. You're never told that. You're just told they're all Muslims. And look, I used to buy the lie too. I, I, you know, I've written several things on that because I didn't know. These attacks carried out mostly by anti-Christian Zionist hate groups. And there's, a, there's your problem. This Zionism is a danger. Zionism is a dangerous thing. No, Christ, no true Christian should ever call themselves a Zionist. Ever. But we have them. It's hypocritical. It's inconsistent. The whole thing. And yet, they're carried out mostly by anti-Christian Zionist hate groups, have increased at an alarming pace. Close to 20 incidents were registered between the end of 2022 and June of 2023. Again, notice, this is not Muslims doing this. This is Israelis doing this to Christians. And somehow Christians in the United States of America think Israel is our ally. Israel is our friend. Israel is the people of God. Nonsense. You really need to read your Bible if you think that. You really do. Paul is extremely clear even in his day. All those who are of Israel, all those are not of Israel who are of Israel. The true Jew is the one circumcised of the heart, not of the flesh. 
And in those days, they were called Israelites, not Israelis. Big difference, okay? The article here goes on to say, high-level clergy in Jerusalem have blamed, at least in part, the far-right government, which includes ultra-nationalist ministers for the growing wave of attacks. Nicodemus Schnabel, who presides over the Benedictine Abbey of the Dormition in Jerusalem, told the German newspaper that attacks against Christians have increased because those who hate Christians now sit in government. Yeah. And you remember, uh, I made mention of a letter that, and again, I don't, I don't listen to Chuck Baldwin all the time. I, I mean, it's been months, maybe even a year since I've listened to one of his messages. But I remember him reading a letter he got from somebody over in Israel who become a Christian. And when the Israeli government found out, when the IDF found out, they persecuted him over that. Did he become a, a Christian? They take it for all you guys who want to go see the Holy Land. Again, go back to the words of Matthew 24 where Jesus said, this place is going to be wiped out. What you see as the Holy Land is not what it once was. When you read Josephus, he said it was, it was barren after the Romans left it, as though nothing had existed there. So whatever you see today is not what Jesus was seeing, not what the disciples saw. So if you get esoteric and sentimental and all that stuff because you go to the Holy Land and you think you've seen the place where Jesus walked. You didn't. All of that was destroyed. 70 AD. Here's another one. I don't know if you guys saw this. Now, this actually came about um, a month or so ago, but I got wind of it, and I remember reading the stories and even seeing some of the not documentaries, but there were short reports on this guy. Any of you guys heard of this guy, John of God? You know, the Clintons really praised this guy. Oprah had him on the show and did all this stuff. Well, this guy, uh, like all false teachers, he's engaged He's engaged in his false teaching for money and for sexual favors, Second Peter chapter 2. Go read it when you get a moment. And I'm going to tell you, when you read that, faces and names will come to mind. Trust me. This guy, uh, and I, I have to read it to you from a translated version because it's coming out of, I, I think this is Portuguese. That's what they speak in Brazil, right? Uh, it's not Spanish. Well, they may have some Spanish, but I think it's Portuguese that they speak down there. Um, this guy known as John of God, he was sentenced to 99 years in prison. Now, he's over 80 years old now. And this is why I say they they use things like this to make to make it seem like they're issuing justice, but they're really not. They gave him 99 years for raping eight girls and women. And allegedly, he has 600 more victims. Okay? And this is in addition to the sentence he already has. I think the total sentence that this guy has that he's supposed to serve is about 300, a little over 370 years. And people think that's justice. No, no, the people in Brazil are going to pay three hots and a cots and keep this guy up, put a roof over his head, give him all the amenities that he's going to experience in prison there. But they think that's justice. 
What does Deuteronomy 22 say should happen to a man like this? He should be stoned with stones. Oh, Tim, you can't say that. That's that's not God. That that's just horrific. God would never want something like that, and yet God is the one who gave the punishment for the crime. See how soft we become? And look, I'm not one that wants to go out and participate in it because I'm going to tell you, all the community has to do it. All the community has to participate in it. And there was a purpose for it. Yeah, there was a punishment. It was to bring justice. But the scriptures say it's to put the evil away from you. That's the first thing. This way, you're not having to hear all these stories like this that I'm giving you. You don't have to hear about a pink-haired surgeon who mutilates children under the watchful eye of government that supports it. If you would have dealt with the sodomite first, if you'd have dealt, dealt with them and brought real justice on the matter, you would never get to the issue of marriage. You'd never get to the issue of transgenderism. You'd never get to the issue of bestiality. Why? Because you'd be dealing with it at the root you deal with it at the root. And those who came before us hundreds of years be before, they used to deal with it at the root. They never were hacking at branches. They weren't clipping the leaves off. They dealt with the root of the problem. God said, you put away the evil and you teach people to fear the Lord through doing that. Why? Because it's a serious thing. And when you don't do that, you're teaching that, well, God doesn't take that that serious. It's not that big a deal. You know, we're all sinners. We just try to justify not bringing justice here. And it's one thing if somebody has been repentant and they've been in that behavior and stuff, they've been repentant and they stop doing it. That's one thing. And I'll tell you what, that's what I would hope for. I would hope that's what any believer would hope for is that they would just repent and they would stop doing what they're doing. But now they, they're just not coming out of the closet kind of timid and stuff. They're coming out emboldened. And again, you read that homosexual manifesto, you'll see exactly what they want to do. They want to control the courts. And they want to be the oppressors of those who oppose them. I'm not looking to oppress anybody. I'm looking to uphold the law. There's a difference in upholding the law and upholding justice and oppressing a people by twisting the law. That's what the Pharisees did, by the way. They twisted the law to oppress the people to make themselves feel like they were more righteous. That's what they did. Big difference there. Now, here's a good thing. Although, again, we're missing real justice. This is out of San Francisco. Corruption charges against a building inspector and a utilities chief were filed, and both men were found guilty. That's good. That's a good thing. Uh, the story came out, uh, both stories came out of Courthouse News Service. The first one, Bernie Curran, a former senior building inspector for San Francisco, was sentenced to 12 months and one day in prison Friday for accepting gratuity payments in exchange for approving building permits. Now, frankly, I'm going to tell you, I don't think government ought to be in the business of inspecting buildings. I, you know, God, look, God gave instructions even to Israel about their buildings, their houses. 
But he didn't say, by the way, you need to set up a permit office down here. You need to have a guy walking through and he needs to find you if you don't meet the standards. He's just saying, look, if you build something and it causes somebody who comes into your house to be harmed, you're responsible for it. Unless you took all the precautions and he talks about the, the railing up on top of the houses. If you put the railing up and that person's acting a fool and just falls off or whatever and harms themselves or dies, well, then that's on them. But if you're not taking the care and caution for that and we find out you have it and the person gets hurt or they die, well, then we're going to hold you accountable for it. But they didn't have all this other stuff. Curran pleaded uh, guilty in December and had requested to serve his sentence at home. When, when do the guilty get to determine what their sentence is going to be? What, what is that about? U.S. District Judge Susan Ilston, a Clinton appointee, called the case complicated. No, it's not complicated. The guy was corrupt. He took money to not do the job he was entrusted to do and give the building permit up. It's not complicated. Knowing that Curran had many supporters who attested to his character. That doesn't matter. What did the guy, what did he admit to doing? He pleaded guilty to it. There's nothing complicated. He pleaded guilty. Okay, here it is. Stupid judges. Stupid judges. We come down a little further, and CNS reports on the utilities guy. A federal judge on Friday found former San Francisco Public Utilities Commissioner or Commission Chief Harlan Kelly guilty on six of eight, corrupt, eight corruption-related charges. The jury deliberated for slightly more than a day before delivering a verdict, and when asked how he felt about the verdict, Kelly told reporters he was processing it. Kelly's wife, Naomi, called the verdict unfortunate. Uh, the jurors found Kelly guilty on four counts related to a scheme to defraud Quicken Loans and guilty of two of four counts related to bribes he received from billionaire Walter Wong. I'm guessing Wong is probably Chinese, too. He could face a maximum of 30 years in prison if convicted, although attorneys said he likely would not face the maximum sentence. Either way, the people are going to pay for it. People of San Francisco are going to pay for it. People of the state of California is going to pay for it. And more than likely, depending on if he ends up in a federal, because it's a federal jury, he ends up in a federal court, some of us might pay for it. Mm -hmm. Some of us might pay for that. Isn't that nice? No justice. No justice at all. Here's another one. This is out of the state of Oregon, too. A Christian mom is suing the state of Oregon for denying adoption over her beliefs about gender. This lady's name is Jessica Bates. She's being defended by Alliance Defending Freedom. And... Um, she talks about wanting to, uh, you know, have children, to adopt children. And so she, she goes down and she said she began the adoption process to adopt a child from Oregon's foster care system. But I was in for quite a shot when state officials denied my application because of my faith. Yeah, you know that passage we read out of Matthew 19, or you can go and read it in Genesis chapter 1, where God made them in his image, male and female, he created them. Yep. That's part of the Christian faith. 
The Oregon Department of Human Services requires that individuals seeking, listen to this, seeking to adopt, quote, respect, accept, and support, end quote, the gender identity and gender expression of any child the department could place in an applicant's home. That's what the Oregon Department of Human Services requires of those who want to adopt children now. State officials demanded that I agree to use a child's preferred pronouns, possibly take a child to pride parades, and even potentially take an adolescent child to receive dangerous pharmaceutical interventions like hormone shots. She says, during my application process, I alerted ODHS that I would happily love and accept any child, regardless of their gender, gender identity or expression, but I cannot say or do something that goes against my faith. Well, good. That's good. But because state officials disapprove of my religious beliefs on human sexuality, they rejected my application, excluding me from adoption because I refused to abandon my religious beliefs. At the same time, she points out, Oregon accommodates people of other religious and cultural backgrounds and tries to pair children with families who are well-suited to each other. Devout Jews need not agree to accommodate foreign gods because some children wish to erect a family shrine to Hindu gods. Anna, a family that hunts, hunts needs not refrain from eating meat because some children are vegan. The message was crystal clear. Oregon officials exclude people of faith from accessing any child welfare service. Let's, let's be the Christian faith. That's what it should be because she just said that Jews don't have to do this thing about that and whoever else, right? The Christian faith. Why? Because they're at war with the Christian God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, the true and living God, the great I Am. The message is crystal clear. Oregon officials exclude people of faith from accessing any child welfare service because of our beliefs about the differences between men and women. According to the Oregon agency, people who hold the state's view on gender identity are fit to parent, while those with religiously informed views that are different aren't even qualified to babysit newborn infants. The government of the state of Oregon is at war with God, and it's leading its people that way, too. And I have to ask the question, where are the men? Where are the men? You men out in Oregon, and I know there's some good men out there, you could band together and you could put this to a stop real quick. You really could. Like the men of old used to do. Yeah, and we've, I don't have to go back just in the Old Testament, Judges 19 and 20, to show you this. I can go back just a few decades here in the United States. The Battle of Athens. Real men took up arms to deal with criminals who were just trying to steal the votes. Just trying to pack the ballot box. And they dealt with the criminals. And they were justified in doing it. And today we talk about our Second Amendment. We talk about guns and we talk, and we don't use them for the purpose that they were meant to be used. And I'm not talking about going out and murdering people. I'm not talking about going out and ambushing people. I'm talking about using them for the enforcement of law. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. That's what the militia does, enforces the law, puts down 
They stop invasions and they put down insurrections. That's the men. That's us. We're the men in Oregon here. Boy, I've got several things and then I want to finish off with this one passage that I think would apply to all of us, including me. I mean, when I, when I say something, I snot, I'm not pointing my finger at everybody else without pointing it back at me. I've had some people say, well, you know all those fingers pointing me. Yeah, I know. I say it. Let me give you a couple others, and we're probably going to run a little over this morning. So if you want to catch that, I'll close out real quickly uh, at the end of the show here in just a couple of minutes. You can catch us on sonsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, or Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We had a story here. I'm not even going to play the video. You can check out the video at sonsoflibertymedia.com. This was Los Angeles, which has its own kind of problems. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy was caught on camera punching a mother who was holding her infant during a traffic stop in Palmdale. Sheriff Robert uh, Luna has condemned the incident as completely unacceptable and the deputy involved, whose name is yet to be released, has been taken off field duty and disciplined, allegedly. This happened in July of 2022. Okay. They still haven't released the deputy's name. Why? Why? If this were you or me, and we did it, our name and face would be plastered all over the television. Why does the thin brown line get a pass on this? Huh? Why do they get a pass on it? Did this deputy not serve the people? Did the people not elect Sheriff Robert Luna? Uh, are the people not entitled to know who this deputy was who punched this mother with her child in her arms? Hmm? It's incredible. You know, there's been a lot of talk of the um, the Sound of Freedom movie. For what, you know, look, I'm glad that people are being made aware of things. I am. I did, You know, I have the question, I want to know how many people it's moving to do something about it. Because that's the real issue. Because I'm convinced that people will deceive themselves if they think they are in the know, if they think they've... They fulfilled their information obligations for the day. They think that's what that's all they've needed done. They put out a meme about it. They shared the they bought some tickets to go see a movie or they and they they've deceived themselves into thinking they've done something when they haven't. And that's that's my concern that it drives you to that. On the other side, we're going to close out the show here. On the other side, I'm going to take you back where this has been this kind of stuff's been reported for months and years. And I don't know why people won't get it in their head of what's going on. Bradley, be with you at 3 Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 6 a.m., Lord willing. See you then. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And I want I promise I won't keep you too long. Uh, i got two more story, two or three more stories I want to hit here, and then I want to go through a passage of Scripture that I think does speak to speak to some of these things. How many of you guys are familiar with 60 Minutes Australia? Now, I'm going to tell you, as a, as a young boy, I used to love things like 2020. It used to come on ABC. I, I used to love things like 60 Minutes. Because maybe I'm wrong, maybe somebody could correct me, but they used to actually have great investigative stories then. I don't know what they have now, for the most part. 
but they used to actually have good investigative stories that were on at the time. 60 Minutes Australia, I've noticed over the years, usually has some pretty good stories. One that they had just months ago, and I, I meant to grab the video and just kind of store it on my Rumble channel too, and I finally did, but this was called Village of the Damned. It was a trailer park that was entirely inhabited by pedophiles and sex offenders. And, and it was not in Australia. It was in the great state of Florida here in the United States in St. Petersburg. Now, you ought to check that out and see. This was, I think this is about an eight-month-old report, okay? But a lot of people have never seen it. And then they followed it up with exposing a pedophile ring that was going on in their own country in Australia. So if you haven't seen that, you need to check that out. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. All these will be linked. You can find them on the website uh, by their titles. Just put it in the search bar. That's right over on the right side here. Those of you who are watching, it's right up under where you can sign up for an email newsletter. There's a search bar. Just put in the title that you're seeing here, and it'll pull it right up if, you're, if you can't wait till I do the archive. This is another one. Seattle Public Schools offer children as young as 13. Remember we were talking about the pink-haired guy out in Oregon who mutilates the bodies of children, trying to convince them that he's changing their sex, but he says all these problems come along with it? Yep. They're offering children as young as 13 these mutilation services, and they don't tell their parents. They don't tell their parents. By the way, some reports say that this is happening to children as young as 11. Prepubescent children. They're doing this too. What in the world? And they're doing it without telling the parents. Listen, I don't know how I can say this any clearer. If you're a parent... And you continually send your kids to the public indoctrination centers we call public schools. You have no idea what they're doing to your kids. Oh, I know what's going on. No, you don't. You drop them off and for eight hours they're there. And unless the kid calls you that says they're sick or they're doing something, you're not going to know squat. Why? Because you ain't there. You're not there. You have got to get your kids out of these things. Whatever you got to do to get them out, get them out. Doing this to these kids. You know, and, and look, I understand parents. I understand some things. Sometimes things are really tight. It, it's hard to make these decisions. It's hard to do it and keep things going the way it is. But you've got to determine what's most important. You've got to do it. Tell me you just don't understand. Oh, I understand. My wife been doing it. My wife and I have been doing it for a long time. We struggle financially. We struggle without doing certain things and going certain places and having vacations and all that other stuff. We do, just like everybody else. But we determined that what God said about us teaching our own kids. And our roles as men and women, husband and wife, father and mother, are grounded in the scriptures. And we want to try to do that to the best of our abilities. 
empowered by the Spirit of God. We want to do that. And that's what we've been doing for more than a quarter of a century. And some of you guys have done it too. You've got to do that if you love your kids. You've got to work to get them out of those public indoctrination centers. I'm telling you, you put them at risk. You really do. Uh, yeah, you know what? Obsolete, again, Jesus also said he had all authority in heaven and on earth. And I don't hear that coming from a lot of people very often either. He's given us the means to overcome the God and the gods of this world. But what we do is we express through the God of the world so we don't have to really put forth the effort and do what we're supposed to do. Jesus has all authority even over the devil. And he told the, the people early on in the scriptures that God was going to put Satan under their feet. The believers, he was going to put them under their feet. Not somewhere out in our future. He said they were going to do it shortly. Shortly. We need to have that kind of attitude. We really do. Kind of attitude that Jesus is superior to the devil. That he has all authority in heaven and on earth. I don't know why we want to run from that. That is, I mean, that is where we should find ourselves. As those who trust in the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Both in the visible and the invisible. But no, we'll do something else. This one right here. Oh, this one really. Absolutely incredible. Are you guys familiar with uh, Sheila Jackson Lee? I I can't believe I, there. I I think I, I, there must be um some definite election fraud taking place down in Texas with Sheila Jackson Lee. Uh, yeah, OBS, again, let me, <sighs> I've already said what I said. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. If you want to continue on with saying evil is the ruler, knock yourself out. That's the defeatist attitude, if you ask me. Um, and I'm not trying to backhand you. I'm just saying the scripture is clear. And to sit here and say that and not go fight the evil not go do your duty in doing that and just express, well, evil's just going to do its thing, is the furthest thing from anybody. I mean, read Hebrews 11. Was that evil prevailing? It was probably prevailing more than it is today in those days. And yet, you would find men of faith who would go out and deal with it. Right there in the Hebrews 11, they didn't sit here and talk about that stuff. They went out in the name of the Lord and defeated the enemies, and God was with them. From Gideon to Samson to Joshua to Noah to Moses, Rahab, Jael, you name the person, they're there. But here was the last one I was going to bring up. This is Sheila Jackson Lee. This is the lady who said, you know, our Constitution's 400 years old. And I mean, some of the goofy stuff this woman has said. I want you to listen to what she has to say for a Nazi collaborator. And he was a Nazi collaborator. He said it in his own words. I put the video in this article. Fact checkers say, oh, he didn't say that. News guard tried to write a story and said, oh, Tim said it. 
He was a Nazi collaborator. I just put the video up. Guess what happened when I asked one of their journalists who contacted me? I was on the phone with her. I said, did you watch the video? No, but I read articles about it. Well, it only takes you a couple of minutes to watch the video. It's only three, four, five minutes long. Did you watch the video? You're supposed to go to the source, aren't you? Well, uh, and then she went back and then she tried to tried to say, oh, well, he didn't really do that. No. Look, even Snopes quoted one of the books that quoted George Soros saying he did it. <laughs> Just bought and paid for a fact checker, self-appointed. Here's Sheila Jackson Lee on George Soros. Listen to this nonsense. Let me ask you this. First of all, we have uh, accusatory commentary of Soros DAs. Let us not put an individual that is not here, a contributing American, and jeopardize his life by always throwing his name out in the most ugliest of way. I am offended by that. Mr. Soros does not de deserve that. He is an American and a patriot. And he also comes from a minority community, one might say, oh, and you yeah. create a dangerous situation. Oh. That's unfortunate. Mm. No, but let's, but see, let's not be anti-Semitic. Does George Soros look Semitic to you? No, he doesn't. He's European. He's a twisted man. And though he may be American by naturalization, which he is, he definitely doesn't have an American ideology. That's number one. And he's definitely not a patriot. He promotes things that are unlawful. That's the whole point. So let me end with something that is very good, but it confronts things that are very bad. Nehemiah chapter 8. In fact, this is, this is a, um, for me, a passage that I love to read because it's how God works in the hearts of his people. Okay? Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. By the way, if you're not upholding the law of God, if you don't uphold that, and the text of the law and the prophets, the way Isaiah says, if they don't point to the law and the prophets, if they don't speak about that, there is no light in them. This is why I, I can't stand these churches that just want to preach out of the New Testament. No, no, no. If you don't talk about, if you don't point to the law and the prophets, which point to the Christ, and then you go to the New Testament, you say, here's the reality, he has come. I question whether you got light in you. Because that's what the word says. So they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday. So there's hours that they're standing there, and look who's here. Before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Remember, they didn't just have a copy of the Bible or, or at this time, the book of the law. They didn't have this in their tents. They had to go to those who had the book of the law to hear it, to understand it. Okay? Um, so here it is. Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood... Mattathiah, and Shema, and Ananiah, and Urijah, and Hilkiah, and Messiah, 
And on his right hand and on his left hand, Pedadiah, Mishael, Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hashbanana, Hashbadana, excuse me, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. They had built it up so he would be up, so he could, they could see him, and so that his voice would carry over the crowd. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, or Shebathai, excuse me, Hodijah, Masiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. Now, look at what they're doing. They read the law, and then it says, verse 7, they caused the people to understand the law. In other words, what they read, they expounded upon. This is why I say, if you look for a body of believers to be a part of, you need to look for a body of believers where they take the Word of God, they read it in the context, and they exposit it, or they expound upon what it says. They pull it apart, and they pull out of it the sense of what is what it is saying. That's what these guys were doing. They gave the sense of what the law was communicating. Okay? So, that's what we read. Verse 8, So they read in the book of the law, a law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading and Nehemiah, which is the Tertheshah, ter, excuse me, Tershatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. Why? For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why? Because they were convicted of their violations of the law of God, their sin. They were broken. They had stood there for hours and heard the law and wept and were broken and on their faces. And finally, after a period of time, the guys come through, Nehemiah, Ezra, the Levites, they say, guys, okay, you're broken. You recognize your sin. Stop mourning. And watch this. You're going to like this. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, in other words, they got them quiet, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, 
because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people. See, this is the men again. The priests, they're all men. The Levites, they're all men. Unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law, and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booze in the feast of the seventh month. And he goes on, and they began to obey the law. But I want you to notice something. First, they were broken. They were mournful. They recognized their sin. And it seems clear that when they're told to get up, quit crying, quit mourning, this is a holy day unto the Lord. Let's feast. Let's rejoice in the Lord, the one who's forgiven us of our sins. And let's go. The next day, what did they do? They got into the law and they started obeying what the law said. That's real repentance. They didn't go out the next day and continue on as they did the day before. No, no, they started to obey God. And I believe this is exactly what those who profess the name of Christ in America need, as well as those who don't. We need men who will hold up the law and say, here it is. Here's where we've fallen short. And we need to be repentant. And I don't care if you're a believer or not. It still applies. Believers need to be repentant too. If you think it was just a one-time thing and that's all there is, well, friend, you don't, you don't understand how God works in the life of his people. He is cleansing us from sin. He is removing it from us. We are throwing off the old man. We are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to be enslaved to our sin. He has freed us from that. And so he'll put his finger on something that we're doing, and we need to repent of that. But as a, as a nation, as a people, as the United States, we need men who will stand up, read the Word of God, expound upon it, Pray that the Spirit of God would convict the hearts of the people and grant them real repentance and faith. And then we need to get up and rejoice and thank God that He's forgiven us our sins and go obey what God told us to do. That's what we need to do. That's the real good in all of this. And how does it come? It comes through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes through His perfect work, His perfect life on our behalf and His perfect sacrifice on our behalf in order that we might be reconciled back into God. Because apart from Him, we're just like everybody else in this world. We're not any better than other people. But we have been forgiven of our sin. We have been made children of the Father. We're no longer children of the devil. Christ is our King. His law is our governance. His people are our ecclesia. But for many who name the name of Christ, none of those are factors to how they are alleging they're Christian. We need to be the light of the world. We need to be the light of the world. How do we do that? Well, several things. One, the Word of God. Men cannot 
cannot know the true and living God apart from his word. They can know there's a creator. Romans 1 tells us that. They can know his power and his eternal Godhead. They can know that his wrath is revealed from heaven every day. But that's only enough to condemn them. That's why Jesus said he didn't come into the world to condemn it. The world's already condemned. He came in so that the world through him might be saved. Let me ask you, as you go out today, are you taking that light, the light of Jesus Christ and his word, out into the people and defeating the enemy? Are you doing that today? Only you can answer that. I pray that you are. Bradley will be with you at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And then, Lord willing, we're going to be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See ya.